Our second scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke. I invite you to hear God's word. Then Jesus said to his disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to do dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, He asked the first. How much do you owe my master? A hundred jugs of olive oil. Uh, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it uh, 50. Then he asked another. And how much do you owe? I owe 100 containers of wheat. A hundred containers of wheat. Take your bill and make it say 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal home. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If, then, you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. How are we to hear your word, O holy God? What is the grace? What is the good news? What do you have to say to us? We long for that which is true and deep and does not leave us. So send your spirit. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. When I was a kid, my family went out west for a vacation and we panned for gold. 
we stood in this river with the sandy bottom and water about ankle deep with a man who had a hat and a beard and boots. He, he held what looked like a tin pie plate. And he reached down into the river and he scooped up some of the sand. And then he shifted it just so, so that the water washed away the mud and the bits of gold sunk to the bottom of the pan. And then he leaned down to show us the gold. He leaned down to show us how it had sunk to the bottom and what it looked like so that we would know the difference between the dirt and the mud and the stuff that was really worth something. Jesus is at it again. He's telling those stories that really make people angry. He's talking about money. And if we just remember the setting of the story, this story, Jesus tells while the Pharisees and the scribes are there and Jesus has been eating with the tax collectors and the sinners, otherwise known as the thieves and the crooks, the cheaters and those who collaborate with the enemy. And Jesus is also there with his disciples. So Jesus tells this parable about money in which the crook is the hero. And he tells it in front of those who have the money. So Jesus shames the Pharisees, and we can hear the tax collectors and the sinners all laughing. There's been a lot in the news about money. We're in the budget battles again. The House voted to cut food stamps by $40 billion. J.P. Morgan was fined a billion dollars because of the malfeasance that led to the loss of $6.2 million. And Jesus is there talking about money. This story, however, is one of the most confusing of Jesus' teachings. Why would the master commend the crook? The master is the owner of the business, and he's trusted the running of the business to his manager. And the manager has mismanaged what belongs to the owner of the business. He's bought a corporate jet. He's gone on business trips to the Bahamas. He has squandered the owner's property. And when he's fired, he absolutely out and out steals from the owner of the business because he goes to the debtors and he takes the pencil and he slashes what they owe so that they'll like him and welcome him into their homes so that he has some place to go rather than digging or being homeless. And we would think that the owner of the business would find this out and have the manager arrested, that he would have him fined and sent to jail. But instead, 
he commends the manager for thinking about his future. And then the owner admires the ingenuity because he may have been dishonest, but the manager wasn't dumb. And then Jesus bemoans the fact that his followers are not as smart as a dishonest manager. He thought about his future and did something about it, and he tells his disciples, you ought to be like him. You ought to use dishonest wealth so that your future is also secured. So are we to steal money and then give it to God to buy our way into heaven? Would the J.P. Morgan scandal have been okay if it had only hurt the rich and it had gone to charity? What is dishonest wealth? Isn't it the ill-gotten gains? Jesus is suggesting, perhaps, that somehow we can buy God's grace or that forgiveness goes to the highest bidder. First, let's look at that dishonest wealth. And let me suggest that dishonest wealth need not be that which is gotten by stealing or cheating or extortion. But dishonest wealth is the wealth that lies. We have to have money. Money is good. Without it, we'd be hungry and homeless. We have to have money. But when our money starts to tell lies is when we get in trouble. Money can lie by telling us that if we just had a little more, then we'd really be happy. And we know it's a lie because we get a little bit more, and then the money lies to us again. It says, well, if you just had a little bit more, if you worked longer hours and you got a little bit more, then you'd really be happy. The iPhone S went on sale. I have an iPhone 4S. It does everything I need. But would I be happier with the 5S? Until there's a 6. And money can also lie about entertainment. We can buy it, but it's short-lived. And it's not the same of as joy, which we can't buy, and is lasting, and a gift. Money tells us that it will be with us forever and that it will secure our future, but then it can shrink. And money tells us that if we have enough, then we'll be okay. But money can't stop us from getting sick. And it may run out on us when we do. This is dishonest wealth. And when we believe it's lies, we are in trouble. What Jesus is saying, and we have to be careful and use money as a means to an end, but not as an end in itself. 
so to what ends are we to use our money? We know that God isn't really wanting us to buy grace because we can't. And forgiveness does not go to the highest bidder. And it would not be okay to steal from the rich and give to the poor. But listen closely to what Jesus suggests. That it would be wise to use the money that God has entrusted to us to make a place in the kingdom of God, our eternal home. But life in God's kingdom is not just about after we die. God's kingdom is here among us when the hungry are fed and when the shootings stop and there are no more mass murders and all people can live in safety and the mentally ill get the proper health care that they need. This is the kingdom of God when there is justice and passion among us. Use your money, Jesus says, as a means to bring about God's reign of justice, peace, and joy. Use your dishonest money as a means to get true riches. The dishonest steward knew about true riches. He knew that true riches had to do with friendship and forgiveness and generosity. And he used his master's money on the true riches. To win friends, to forgive debts, to be generous. God does not need our money. It's already God. God has simply entrusted us to use it for God's kingdom. God does not need our money, but God's kingdom does. God's kingdom needs our money. God needs our money and needs us to use our money to bring about that health care for the mentally ill, to advocate for sensible gun laws. God needs our money, and we have power through our purchasing when we buy recycled or look for the Energy Star rating. The kingdom of God needs our money when we... take our pencils and adjust our budgets and change some numbers so that we have the joy of using our money to have God's kingdom come and get the really good stuff. When we use our money to support special places like this, place like this that scoops us up every week from the mud and the dirt and sifts us out and helps us see what is most important. The prayers that touch our hearts 
the deacon's visit that gives us a window on our own soul. Feeding the hungry fourth grader in Kenya. Buying crocs on sale to get as many as possible to send to Kenya. Taking advantage of the opportunity to fill our lungs with air and sing and be transformed by joining with angels in singing God's grace. This is a special place, unlike any other place, that nurtures our deepest human needs for forgiveness and truth-telling and love that knows no bounds. Jesus tells us not only to adjust our budget to work for the kingdom of God, Jesus has us look at the true riches in our lives. Is it time with your family? Is it time with friends? Is it laughter? Is it equality for young girls? Is it feeding the hungry at Miriam's kitchen? Look for the true riches and let those true riches shape your decisions about how you use your money. That's what Jesus says. One summer on Long Island around the 4th of July, some kids were setting off bottle rockets. And one of the bottle rockets that they set off went onto the deck of a member of our church. And it landed on the cushion of the lawn furniture, of the deck furniture. And the cushion caught on fire. And it burnt the house. Not completely, but that family lost most of their belongings. And church members got together and they collected furniture and they got another microwave and they did what they could. But some women in the church knew that there are some things that just have to be new. Like bed sheets and pillows and bath towels. And so they went bargain hunting. They knew how to do it. They were smart. They got the coupons. They hit the sales. They took out the credit card application there in the store so that they could get the 10 to 20% off for that one day only. And they were able to give these folks a new start. They were able, through their dishonest wealth, money that can lie to us, to give them the true riches of a meal at their own table on new dishes with glassware and silverware and fresh sheets to go to bed at night on clean, soft pillows. 
stuff that really matters and is really worth something. May God make us so wise. Amen.